Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like, then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. I am so excited to introduce to the podcast Dr. Mana Hagos. I met her at the National Medical Association, the NMA conference, through a mutual friend. Shout out to Dr. Michelle DaCosta. And in talking with Dr. Hagos, I was absolutely like, you need to come on the podcast because her route within uh, anesthesiology and medicine is incredibly unique. She is a author of multiple books and has started her own entrepreneurial enterprise in regards to facilitating those wanting to go into medicine. So it is such an honor to have you on. And I'm so excited because this has been a big topic of interest to our listeners. How can we leverage our medical degree to serve others outside of medicine? What are other things we can do? And knowing that you also serve as a consultant to startups and what have you, we definitely want to hear how all that came to be. So welcome, Dr. Vanessa. Woo! Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Peterson. This is an incredible podcast, and I'm so excited to share with our listeners today um, about all the topics that you hit. And I definitely want to start by saying that all of us as physicians, as anesthesiologists, are uniquely and highly qualified to do whatever it is that we want to do. Amen to that. Can you say it again for the people in the <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely as I, physicians and anesthesiologists we are highly and uniquely qualified to do whatever it is that we want to do yes i think a big issue we run into is that we get so just browbeaten and discouraged and be being told that oh you're quote unquote just a doctor or a doctor <laughs> is all you can do so let's start at the beginning for me, for you, how did you get interested in medicine? And then kind of walk us through your journey as to all of these other opportunities that you found yourself into. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I definitely have to start off by saying that I am a proud first-generation immigrant American. I am from Eritrea. Eritrea is in East Africa. And Having that particular background instead of experiences is very unique for some of our listeners who are immigrants. They can understand that whether it's a language barrier, it's a culture shock, or just the difference between the outside world and the inside world at home can be very different and has its own unique set of challenges for sure. And one of the uh, benefits um, of that particular type of experience as a first gen is that skills that are highly relevant and very incredible for 
physician-hood medicine is tenacity, persistence, consistency, being able to visualize success, especially for particular specialties that require a significant amount of time and training and whatnot. So that's a little bit about who I am. And in terms of my pathway into medicine, I would say that it was pretty natural in terms of, although my parents, specifically my father, I think, but my parents and many first-gen immigrants, it's there's a very specific list of acceptable occupations that somebody can have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a as a as an East African, for sure, you could be a doctor. They, they never said this, but this is my own personal joke, so I'll share it with you. You can be a doctor, you can be an engineer, or you can be a disgrace. Which one is it going to be? Right. <laughs> you know, there's always very high expectations for achievement, and part of that comes from when your family, your parents, or maybe the community that you came from really had to struggle and uh, persist against really incredible odds, you have this internal motivation and fire to achieve. And I'm very grateful that I had that. That's one of the many blessings that I you know, received throughout my formative years. And I figured out medicine was for me because I was very lucky to be in a great school district that my mother chose, where we had science discovery days. And so the school would essentially like shut down for a few days and we would just have access to all sorts of STEM related occupations and have live demonstrations and workshops. And one of those workshops, um, I saw a, a live brain and we talked about it. And I believe it was a patient um, who had Parkinson's. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like, I don't have to go into space. I don't have to go deep into the ocean or like dig up rocks because those are all fields that I was really interested in. You and I walking around are the most complex, perfect beings. And when something isn't working, that is in one way an opportunity to help this person who is more than just the sum of the parts to hopefully lead a higher quality of life. So it was that workshop that I'm really grateful for that really started my path into medicine. Oh, that's incredible. And when, at what point in your journey did you have that workshop? Did you say that was high school? That was elementary school. Oh my God. <laughs> that was elementary school. Wow. What yeah. incredible education you got. I mean, I didn't see a brain until undergraduate. <laughs> you did, I'm telling you that the importance of access mm-hmm. and timing cannot be understated. Some of us might have access or opportunity throughout our life, even now, today, tomorrow, 10, 20 years from now. And when we are able to have those opportunities again during our formative years, whichever age that may be, 20s, 30s and beyond, I don't think that just stops as, you know, at 12 years old, it can really help to give us some type of a focus or at least a direction to start to discover if this is a good fit, if this is an alignment. And for me, I knew that whatever I was going to do was going to be, I had to do, it needed to have meaningful impact. It needed to have um, incredible financial security. And it needed to be something that matched my personality in a way. And the more I discovered and looked into it, and this is again, growing up, 
throughout high school and then in university and beyond, the more I said, yes, this is, this is the best match for me as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how, that's how the story went. I went to UCLA for undergrad, I was involved in a couple of extracurricular activities. And in order to make, make that GPA the, what it needed to be, <laughs> I hyper-focused on just one or two things and advanced within the organizations to have a leadership position and was involved in activities like health fairs for underserved communities revolving around hypertension and other chronic health diseases to help people. And I liked what I did. I learned a lot and I said, I got to keep going. And that's how I ended up at USC for medical school, which is an incredible institution. Uh, Don't hate me for anyone who did UCLA (laughs) for both undergrad and med school. Uh, There's room for all of us. Okay. Uh, And after that, I went to, uh, I did my residency uh, in anesthesiology at LAC USC Medical Center, which is a level one trauma center. And I am just so grateful to have had such an incredible experience there because I saw a lot, I did a lot, and I really had the memorable experiences to learn from people who are simply the best at what they do. And though there were times where I thought, okay, this way is a good way to do it. I like it. And learning that there is another way to do the thing (laughs) can be really helpful. And something my, one of my mentors at the time said to me when I was expressing whatever frustration I had at that time, she's an ear, nose and throat surgeon who's also an incredible woman. And uh, she said to me, you know, when I did my training at USC, I would learn eight different ways to do a tonsillectomy. And I would think, why do I need to do all the, you know, learn all these ways? Like I'm good at these ways and I know it. And she says, and then I got into practice, into independent practice. And I said, now I understand why I needed to know those eight different ways. And I'm so grateful for that. So I keep that in mind. And I think that's a really good tidbit to keep in mind is it's okay to learn more. Our brains can, can hold it all. And the great thing is we'll have access to the idea, the thought, or the memory to help us when we need it. Yeah. Oh, that is so well put. Now to go back in your journey, how did you become interested in anesthesiology? Okay. So I went into medical school thinking that I was going to be a nephrologist um, because there is there are some close people in my family who have type 2 diabetes. So that was my association or foray into that particular specialty, kidney disease, as we know, and diabetes, unfortunately, very strong relationship. And uh, so when I went into medical school, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a nephrologist. And when I went to certain events and would meet nephrologists, I had some very kind people who were very forthright with their experiences, their lifestyle, et cetera. And they gently encouraged me to make sure that I considered other specialties. This, of course, is not a negative put down of nephrology or any other specialty because we need all of us to survive, clearly. But once they said that, I said, okay, like, let me look at other things and I'll just be open during my my rotations. And I remember doing medicine and thinking, oh my gosh, like all these hospitals are so smart. They have all these things in their brain all the time. And then I thought, I cannot talk for three hours in rounds <laughs> about patients. I said, I need to sit down sometimes. 
this is just a lot. And um, I did, when I did my surgical rotations and I remember hepatobiliary and again, just incredible people, smart and um, really just great people. And it was, it was a grind. I remember I lost like eight pounds in like two to three weeks. I just, it was just, it was a very busy service and I was very intent on doing my best and working as hard as I could. And I mean, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it actually. And uh, I said, I know that I cannot stand for seven hours. This is just like, <laughs> it's, clean. it's just, it just it's not in the light. It's, you know, um, I think I was just made a certain way and I just can't fight it. And um, I hope I like, you're. I like the themes between the two where I can't stand for this law. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself yeah, you and like. And realize that there are choices and that we do have options, even if sometimes it feels like we don't. Sometimes it's just a matter of our sphere of understanding or influence is relatively limited to what we want or what we're seeking. And the better we are able to identify and articulate those things and honestly be honest with ourselves, right? Like maybe my ego would have been like, yeah, I'm a surgeon. This is going to be awesome. But my body's like <laughs> telling me, no, <laughs> this isn't for us. We just know this. So to be honest, the, when I went through my rotations, I was just pretty logical and practical about it. You know, I'm in medicine because I love learning and I love, but more than that, I really love being able to apply what I learn. I love being able to communicate with people in a way that helps to relieve their fears and anxieties, because let's, let's be honest, all of us. Okay, as physicians, when we unfortunately have to become a patient, we don't like it. <laughs> right. It doesn't feel good. Okay. We like to have some semblance of control at first as people in general, especially as women, especially if we come from communities that are unfortunately oppressed in one way or another or misunderstood or what have you. Pick, pick your adjective or adverb or whatever. So uh, I went through these rotations and I said, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. Like, oh, this seems great. Uh, I don't know what the lifestyle would be with this. Is this compatible with how I want to live my life right now? Which understandably is an incredibly difficult thing to do to be like, okay, at some age, pick what you want to do for the next, at least for the next decade, well, half a decade, at least in terms of training. Um but then potentially 20 years plus until retirement. It's incredible. That's a tall order to ask any individual to decide based off of a six to eight week experience. Right. And of course, of course, with a ways, with a way slash audition rotations, um, that gives you some opportunity to get a little bit more insight. But to be honest, it's, you will never know something until you are truly living it. That's, that's my personal opinion. So. I I honestly don't even re recall now how I thought about anesthesia or got into anesthesia because it wasn't a required rotation. It was an elective two-week rotation to start. So I believe I must have heard about it because maybe either one of the instructors um, or something, but I, I had the idea early, like, oh, this might be a field that seems interesting. It's intellectually engaging, still within the surgical world, they do get to sit down. <laughs> 
I know people are going to be judging me so hard about this, but I no, feel like so I feel like we should understand each other. Yes. <laughs> no, we got to be real for real. That's how people end up incredibly unhappy by by not taking in full account of who they are. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's still a very physically taxing profession. Absolutely. Like you're squatting like no tomorrow all the time for whatever you need to fix under the drape. So I had that exposure early and I thought, okay, well, I'm interested in anesthesiology. I'm also interested in PM&R. I like the concept again of using your hands and having that interaction with people in one way or another. I didn't get too much PM&R exposure, but I did have the opportunity to engage in research in anesthesiology early. And the PI that I was working with I worked with him for three years, and that was an incredible experience. I got to present at the National ASA Conference in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and that was a phenomenal experience. And I also got to present our research at WORK, the Western Anesthesia Research Conference. Mm-hmm. And so that really helped to cement my interest. And of course, when I did the, the rotation, I had a great time. and. I worked really hard because I was serious about it. And I was very fortunate that I was able to match into anesthesiology at my home institution with some of the people that I had had the opportunity to meet and work with when I was in medical school. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And you said so many valuable, valuable things, one of which being be honest with yourself. I think that some people are like, well, they're only honest with themselves on the deep philosophical questions. But when it comes to the things that your body is crying out for, standing on your feet for a long time or just the physical demands of some things, and you're just like, man, I feel really tired and just not an out of sorts. Being honest about that too. Like being able to eat and sleep and take care of your basic needs. I mean, (laughs) that's not something to just squawk at and say you don't need. Uh, so I do appreciate you reminding us of that, like being honest through and through. And even though it doesn't sound like you necessarily had like a, a magical moment within anesthesia that said, oh, this clarifies everything for me. <laughs> As you know, at Sivo Sisters, we demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of a what? Anesthesia break. We're coming up on time. Break is probably over. Join us next week as we continue this thrilling conversation. Ta-ta! I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something-something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.